0: I would say that my relationship with Robin has always been cordial. We'd get along well, but our relationship took a turn when she came to visit Tim and I while I was living with him. We were still dealing with, you know, all the wounds from me finding out that he had cheated on me. We were having a serious discussion and he just blew up. He started like yelling at me and Saying things, and then obviously, I got really upset too. And we just started like yelling at each other and throwing things. And she pulls me into a room and she starts telling me that if I don't come down, she's gonna call the police on me. I definitely lost respect. For her. <laughs>
1: Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, 90 Day Fiance Edition. Is it just me or are the episodes getting a little bit more interesting? Or maybe it's that everybody's, with the exception of Jenny and Sumit, everyone's storylines are getting more interesting and that's making it more interesting as a whole. And by more interesting, I'm talking like, you know, anywhere between 3 and 5%. Like, I'm not going to give these people a lot, but... I found this episode a little bit more enjoyable, and I'm into it, and I hope you guys are into it too. Who do I want to talk about first? Um, I think we should probably get Tim and Melissa out of the way. By the way, you guys, <laughs> Melissa um, retweeted a tweet that I had written about how she's the Courtney Kardashian of 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> so pat on the back for me. Um, she agrees, and you know what, girl, like. It wasn't necessarily a compliment. You know. But it was a fact. <laughs> so they're clearly still having issues. Since Melissa admitted that she slept with somebody else. While they were on a break. Question mark. Broken up. Question mark. I don't really know. Seems like a very much a gray area. But she hit it with somebody else. We'll put it that way. Um, so... They have made the choice to, like, repair their relationship, but bad timing. Tim's mother, Robin, and his Aunt Carmen are coming to Columbia to, I wouldn't even call it a visit. It seems like they're more coming in as, like, Tim's inspectors and trying to figure out if uh, Melissa is the right woman for him or if Columbia and Medellin is the right place for him to be living, like... They're basically coming into security and backup, and we'll be letting Tim know if he needs to, if he should stay there, or if, you know, he needs to pack it back up. I feel like this is really immature. Like, how old is Tim? Like, my age, right? Like, if you feel the need to have your mother and aunt come, and it's not just a visit to, like, kick it but it's actually like, I just need you to figure things out for me and let me know if this is the right thing for me, then kind of seems like it's not the right thing for you, right? Like, if you have to call in reinforcements, that should tell you all you need to know about the relationship. Please, you guys, just break up. I don't see how it is either of you like the other one, (laughs) frankly. I don't know what anybody is bringing to the table they're literally a charcuterie of a, cu- a couple, Tim, obviously being the cheese, and Melisa's like a hard salami, something that's really hard to chew and cut into, and it's like salty, you know? You know? So, basically, here's the tea. And this was some hot tea, you guys. Um, Tim wants Melisa to tell his mother That she slept with somebody else while they were on their break or whatever it was. And Melissa's like, hell no. I don't really feel like I need to make that sort of confession to her. Basically, Tim feels like it should be a tit-for-tat situation because he had to go and tell her mom and her dad that he cheated. But she didn't really cheat on you. So does she really need to say, like, hey, Tim's mom, um... I fucked somebody else while, you know, after your uh, son cheated on me. And we were on shaky ground. Like, that's weird. And I was on Melissa's side with that. Like, she doesn't have to do that. She's a grown-ass woman. (laughs) You know, like, you agreed to talking to her parents of your own accord. She told you that was something that she would need from you to move forward. And you agreed to it. She did not agree to this. He really just wants to equate what he did to what she did. And regardless of whether or not they were on a break or whatever, I still don't think it's equal. I get where she's coming from. Like, it's questionable as to whether or not they were together, but it seems like, in her mind, they weren't. So... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, she also, Melissa does not want to stay at the apartment while his mom and aunt are there. Why do you ask? Because apparently, Robin came to visit when Melissa was in America after they, the cheating rumors their truth had come out. They got into a fight. Tim lost his fucking mind was screaming at Melissa. Lisa. She dared to say something back to him. So his mother took her aside, took her in another room and told her if she didn't calm down, she was going to call the cops on her. Now, that's fucked up. For a couple reasons. Like, it's fucked up that you would do that. You would see your son acting some type of way when you know he cheated on this girl. And as soon as she stuck up for herself. And also, like, being an immigrant or not even an immigrant, like a, a, a person in visiting the country. Well, like that, that's an extra layer of fucked up. Apparently they're able to be cordial with one another, but I tell you right now, if that was me, not a chance in hell. I will catch you when you're back. I wouldn't even want to be in this relationship. Another re- reason why, like, if you're going to be threatening to call the cops on me, like donezo, not happening, cross the line. I don't really see how there is ever something, how that is something that you can come back from at all. Ooh. Tim doesn't understand why she doesn't want to stay and why she, why they both can't like work it out with each other. He seems to think that this is something that they both need to be apologizing to each other. And honestly, like I don't really give a fuck what May-Lisa May Lisa might have said in response to her mother his mother's heinous actions and threats. You're just gonna have to take it, Robin. Sorry. Team May Lisa on this one. Let's move on to Kenny and Armando, an unfortunately sad storyline that they had this week. So they're trying to get their marriage license. Armando's, you know, doing all the paperwork since it's all in Spanish and Basically, same-sex marriage has been legal in Mexico since 2015, but it's still, like, these couples have a lot of hoops that they have to jump through, and it doesn't always lead to a pot of gold. You know, like, they don't always get accepted their marriages, right? So, basically, what he was told, what Armando was told was that he they have to write a letter in addition to actually going through the license application process. They have to write an additional letter to say, Hey, just letting you know, we're a same sex couple who wants to get married, which is not something that heterosexual couples in Mexico typically have to do. So Armando was heard through the grapevine that like, not everybody gets accepted a lot of people have trouble getting approved since it's not as culturally accepted. And that reminded me of that like Duggar ass looking bitch. And like, what was she in Kentucky who like wore prairie skirts and had that like, you know, uh, sister wife hair. <laughs> Fundamental Christian hair with the like, you know, like literal house on the prairie hair. And she got in trouble for denying all the same-sex couples in their marriage. Fuck her. What was her name? Kim? Kim Burley something. Anyway, fuck you, Kim. Um, so they go to the office. Kenny is hoping when they walk in, he's like, well, I hope they just think that we're so cute that they say yes, which is, you know, not a, not unlike a thought process that I often go through. And unfortunately it doesn't often work for me. And sadly it really didn't work for them. Um, Basically, they're talking to the clerk. The clerk immediately says no because, again, it is legal in the state. It's a law, but the Constitution hasn't really allowed it. And so it's like kind of a gray area where legally it's just like kind of up in the air. Fortunately, if you want to call it fortunately because this whole situation sucks, They have, their office has connections with the Human Rights Foundation there, so what they can do, and what she tells them to do, is you can file a complaint with the Human Rights Foundation saying that this is a violation of, you know, your inability to get married is a violation of your human rights, and then they get that letter from the Human Rights Foundation, and basically at that point... More than likely, you will get a yes. She's hopeful that everything will, uh, you know, go through once they get that formal complaint because they have a close relationship with the Human Rights Foundation. And, yeah. Kenny is, you know, not happy. He's really not happy. I think part of it is just like, well, most of it is probably just like the fact that they got denied. There's part of it that he's like, I can't ask questions that I want to ask. Like, I think he's just feeling defeated because of the no and also frustrated because of the language barrier. And Armando's like, you know, I I like that when one of them is down, the other one is there to be supportive and optimistic when the other one is being pessimistic. Like, Armando's like, she says she's hopeful And Kenny's like, well, but if we go through the process of doing it, like, is this guaranteed? And Armada's like, nothing in this life is guaranteed. But she has a good idea, you know. She's saying that she's optimistic about it. She didn't really seem, you know, like, the denial didn't seem like a personal thing on the clerk's behalf. It just seemed like, I understand the law. I understand the process. I'm going to walk you through the process. There's hope here. At the there's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's do it. You want to file now? Let's do it. Okay. You can probably send in your complaint in about a week. We'll get it back and we'll figure things out. <sighs> okay. Let's move on to, I guess Jenny and Sue meet. No. Let's yeah. Let's go to Jenny and Sue meet. So it is finally the day is here of hopefully. Sumit's last court appearance so he can finally get his divorce to go through. Jenny doesn't want to go with him even though he asked her if she wants to come because she's afraid of Sumit's in-laws because they ran up on her a couple years ago and were like, Sumit is married we might kill you. She's scared so she's like, I'm just going to sit my ass in home and sit in these you know, Target pajama pants And kick it. And then you just call me and let me know what happened. So, we find out. Obviously, Sumit needs his parents' approval to marry Jenny still. Even though they told him, probably not going to happen for you, bruh. So, Rohit, his friend, comes to pick him up. They go to the court. They meet up. His dad is there. We find out that, like, I was under the impression that Sumit's father had paid all of this $20,000 that he was going to give to Samit's ex-wife all on his own. But it turns out that not only was this his entire life savings, but he had to borrow money from family and friends and the bank to pull up this 20 grand. So he's making a lot of sacrifices for his son. Because this wasn't money that people just gave out of the kindness of their hearts. They expect that money to be paid back. by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. That fucking sucks. (laughs) Like, it's one thing to, you know, ask your parents to get you out of a situation and tell them you're going to pay them back because more than likely they'll give you the time and grace to do that because they love you. But it's quite another thing to owe money from your friends and from other family members. Like, they're not going to be as gracious and they don't have any reason to be. Like, they should get their money back. And that sucks that you sumi who barely has a job which we'll get into in a second like you're really putting your father in a really bad predicament and it's i don't want to say that it's selfish but it kind of is you know it it kind of is Ugh, i don't feel great about it i really don't but anyway um The cameras weren't allowed in the courthouse, so the next time we see Sumit is five hours later. He's in his lawyer's chambers. He calls Jenny, FaceTimes her, and everything's fine. The divorce is final. Chick got her money. He's free and clear. Kind of. So later, Sumit and his father go and get some tea, and they have a conversation, and you know, Sumit is still on this, like, I'm so happy I'm free, thank you daddy, I'm gonna pay you back, I promise to pay you back, I will pay you back if it's the last thing I do, and the dad's like, how are you gonna do that, you broke bitch, like, you don't have any money, you don't have a fucking job. Turns out that Sumit wasn't working at the call center, but he just got a job working as a chef at his friend's cafe but he can only work three or four hours a day really isn't that much money also again a problem that we see time and time again that these women come from America and they don't want to be left alone so they don't want their husbands, partners, boyfriends to have jobs but then it's also like you don't have a job you can't because it's illegal and you know <laughs> like what you can't have it both ways like how do you expect to make any money which is exactly what Sumi's father says like you are sitting around playing security guard to Jenny and you're never going to fulfill any of your dreams that way or your bank account you know um so then you know he's basically like you need jobs <laughs> You need a job to pay me back, to pay our friends back, to pay your family back. What are you doing with this lady who's older than me? She's older than your mom. Why do you keep asking if we're going to support this? We don't. And meet's like, oh, well, Jenny was very supportive of me, you know, through this whole process. And she supported me financially. And I'm like, when did that happen? Because she was living on the couch before. But apparently she did. She more me financially and emotionally and all the ways, sexually, you know, blah, blah, blah. And his dad's like, you don't have to marry somebody just because they supported you. <laughs> Which is true. He's like, we want you to have a family. As in, we want you to have children. As in, how are you going to have children with a lady who's probably has less eggs than Angela? You know? Oh, Lord. um, Yeah. Sumit, the last we see of Sumit is that he goes to Rohit's fam, uh, office. <laughs> Sumit is like, you gotta grow up, bro. Sumit is basically like, you know, Rohit was so supportive of me during this divorce. So I'm hoping that he'll be able to support me in other ways, i.e. by giving me a job at his, I guess he works, he owns like a digital marketing agency, but it's just starting up. You know, he doesn't really have a lot of overhead. So Rohit's like, you know, I might have a job in a month or two, but honestly, like, I can't really afford to pay more than a hundred bucks a week. And so he's like, well, that's not going to work. And it's like, okay, well then leave. (laughs) You know, like, what do you want from Rohit? He can't be driving you, being your fucking Uber driver, and also the guy who is bankrolling your lifestyle in order for you to pay back these people and... You know, he can only do so much for you. Support is not like a hundred percent umbrella of support happening here. He he gave you a ride to the courthouse. And if you don't like the hundred dollars a week, then it kick rocks, bruh. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to tell you. All right. Next, we're going to talk about Ariel and Benyam, A couple that I'm finding like exhausting to have to watch and also to have to recap like There is no joy in Mudville with these couples. This couple. I don't like Ariella. I don't like Ariella. (laughs) We're just going to be honest. I'm not too keen on Binyam either. I'm keeping it 100. But Ariella's energy, like, we just don't... I don't fuck with her vibe. I don't like it. It's too anxious for me. And, like, I understand that people have anxiety. But I also just don't like... She's constantly blaming binyam and acting like she is a victim of this relationship and of his manipulation i would like to see the receipts on that because she's really making and i feel like i don't want people to come for me and i don't want to say the wrong thing because you can have any opinion you want about circumcision and i probably wouldn't want to hear my baby crying either you know at part of his dick getting cut off i get that but like I just, I just don't like she, everything that happens in their relationship and happens with their baby that she doesn't like, she blames it on him. And I don't like that because if that's a problem, then you need to speak up and say something about it. And, you know, I'm sorry if that's a harsh thing to say, but that's, that's my opinion, you know? So... Last we saw them, Ariella had taken the baby out of the operating room because she didn't want him to get a circumcision. So we're still in the hospital and production is asking Beniam like, what happened? What just happened? And he is so upset that he doesn't even want to talk. He's like, I can't get into this right now. I'll have to talk to you later. He basically is upset because she just dipped. She didn't say anything. He feels like Ariella was being really disrespectful to the doctors and to, I guess these people are older. It's like, she's being really disrespectful to her elders. She left without saying a thing, without any explanation. It was incredibly rude. I'm embarrassed. And I'm annoyed about it. I'm really annoyed. So then, Binyam finds her in the van. And he very, very gently asked her, like, what's going on? What's happening? And she's like, you're just being mean to me. And I can't take you being mean to me anymore. And so, like, you need to give me time and you need to give me space. And, you know, he just finished getting his vaccines, and he was upset. And I just want him to have the baby to have a safe space. And I just want him to be peaceful and have calm all around him. I get it. I get it. First time mom, you're in a, a different country, all of this is foreign to you, but it's also like, you're Jewish, you want your son to be raised Jewish, you were very adamant about that, just because, I, it just feels like we all know that Jewish people circumcise their boys, traditionally. And the fact that, I feel like she's taking the fact that Binyam's, like in Ethiopia, it is culture to also do circumcision. So it feels like she is totally ignoring the fact that it is also her custom, her religious custom, to get this kid circumcised. And completely blaming it on Binyam, being manipulative, and this being his culture, and her being railroaded by his life and his opinions no this is also your culture so you can't put this on him she like kind of made mention to you know like oh my family's being pressured but mostly it's binyam mostly it's him and it's like no i don't think it's fair to say i don't think that's fair to say because that's also your culture And I just want to know, I would be very curious, like, if this was something that was not common in Ethiopia or not, you know, I just wonder, like, who would she be pointing the finger at now? You know? So, yeah, she's like, you know, it's my baby. I don't want to do it. And Binyam's always pressuring me. And Binyam says, you know, I'm just thinking about the baby. Like, this isn't about me because she's making it seem like... He's putting all this pressure on her. He's like, it's not about me. It's about the baby. And, you know, she says, he's just thinking about, you know, like, the older he gets, the more time we take to go through this process and and avoid it, the more it's going to hurt him. So we should just do it now and get it over with. Ariella thinks that Binyam is only worried about, like, his masculinity, not even their sons, like Binyam's own masculinity and like he wants to be like big tough guy whose son has a circumcision. I really don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> really don't know. Um, and she's like, you know, what, I just didn't have a good feeling about this and I'm past the point of being stressed. I just need a week because the stress is getting to me. Like physically I'm having headaches and my body hurts and I get it. She's incredibly hormonal. She just had a baby, but I just don't, like, say that you're stressed out and you need time. That is completely fine. Blaming it all on him and his toxic masculinity and him being emotionally manipulative of you and he's pressuring you too much, like, that is what I have an issue with. So a week later, uh, Ari calls the doctor... They're able to fit Aviel in to get his circumcision that day. So they go and she's like, you know what? I just want to make it clear that I don't feel any better about the situation. But Binyam keeps pressuring me. And basically what she says is he told her that Aviel needed to have the circumcision done um binyam tells a very different story and he says that they agreed to it um but you know there is another side to it and that he doesn't want Alviel to grow up and be different and feel embarrassed or ashamed about that and he says something about um showing his dick with the top I really don't know I'm like so I do not want to talk about baby dicks anymore (laughs) like I'm done I don't need QAnon coming for me I'm just reporting what they are talking about okay um so she doesn't want to go into the operating room when they get to the hospital but she overhears Aviel crying she gets really upset she goes into the room she's crying uh holding her and She's like, I'm just never going to forgive myself. I'm never going to forgive myself for doing this. I'm a horrible person. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the, uh, the procedure finishes. Aviel stops crying immediately. And she's like, she gets him. She feeds him. She's like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better now that he's not crying. Um, but she's still pissed. She's still pissed about the whole situation. Okay, let's move on to Jihoon and Devin. And before I recap what happens with them, I just want to say that, like, y'all, I'm a broken person. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. And I, you know, have a history of forgiving a lot of fuckboy behaviors. Okay? So you're just going to have to know that the fact that I find Jihoon <laughs> to be absolutely delightful... <laughs> I know it's a flaw of mine, but he's funny. He is funny and entertaining to watch. And I get it. If you disagree, I 100% understand. And I admire you for being a stronger person than I am. I'm a weak bitch, okay? That's just my truth. And I don't really know what to tell you. But I find him to be very funny. (laughs) So, um, Devin and Jihoon go out to the park with the kids and Devin is going to be meeting some of Jihoon's, like, college friends, high school friends, yada, yada, yada. People that she hasn't met before. She has met a couple of his friends, but not this particular group. So, in the park, I guess in Korea, you can... They will give you tents if it's hot outside, so you can, like, be outside but still cool down. And Devin says... <laughs> I didn't even bother. Because regardless of what she said it was incorrect she says you know if you saw a park like this in America with a bunch of tents you wouldn't go to it because and then she said that's where they have free meth or men she said parks with a bunch of tents in America have that's where they have free meth I think she said free meth The second option is that she said free men. Either of those options is incorrect. It was a a real, like what what was Devin did Devin go to a traditional school or was she homeschooled? Because whatever her estimation of what happens in the park of presumably houseless people um, is incorrect and I, it just feels like something that she may have learned from her mom. And we all saw her mom. Y- you picking up what I'm putting down here? Okay. So, one of uh, Jihun's friends speaks English. So he's able to translate between the other friends and Devin. And, you know, they can have a conversation. Um, one of them asks, like, oh, were you planning on living in Korea for good? And she's like oh, I don't know. And then we see her in an interview. She says, you know, things have been really good between me and Junie lately, but um, I found something. I discovered something and I'm really not feeling that great about it. So she makes Jihoon go change Taehyung's diaper and then takes the opportunity to talk to his friends about her discovery. So basically what happened is that she found a bunch of naked pictures of random chicks on his phone and she wants to know if that's like a Korean thing and one of his friends said something that we're all thinking is doesn't every guy do that like I don't think he has feelings for these girls it's just like naked pictures now I'm not gonna say every guy does that but it's not like a Korean thing like girl come on (laughs) Come on. So, they're basically like, listen. Jihan's like an idiot. He's really immature. He doesn't spend his money wisely. He's basically a fool. But we don't think that he would cheat on you. Full stop. We don't think it would happen. And she basically is like, I'm just concerned that he was unfaithful because these weren't just like porn pictures. They were like Selfie style naked pictures. So she thinks that Hoon has been chatting with these girls and that he has some sort of like communication with these girls because they're more personal pictures than just like sex work style or sexy kind of pictures. So they're basically like, yeah, we really don't think he's cheated, to be honest with you. And we think that you should just let this go. Give Jihoon another chance. Like, it's really not that big a deal. But Devin's like, well, I just think that they're trying to cover for him. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) I'm a big proponent. Something that I have personally had to learn is don't ask questions if you're not prepared for the answer. If they're telling you that they really don't think that he's cheated and that you should just, like, let this go, then... I mean, you can accept the answer or not, but it's just like you're choosing to get more upset because it's almost like you want them to say, like, ooh, yeah, this isn't a Korean thing. This is weird. And we do support the fact that you are now feeling insecure. And I I mean, there is a good chance that they probably would have just stuck up for him, even if they did think that he was cheating because that's their boy. And it's, like, bros before hoes or whatever we're saying these days. But it's also, like, okay, but you knew that. <laughs> like, like if I was in a relationship, I probably wouldn't ask a bunch of his dude friends if what what he's doing is weird. Because I know that they're probably just going to stick up for him. So it's, like, you know, don't ask questions if you don't want the answer. if you don't trust that what they're saying is real then like what was the point of even talking to them what was the point of having this whole like summit I don't get it anyway um so later they go to dinner Korean (laughs) Devin now has it in her head that his friends are just trying to cover for him she is fully thinking that he has cheated on her she decides to bring it up at dinner, and she's like, "You know what? The other day, I noticed that you were looking at your phone, and I looked over, and there were hundreds of pictures of naked girls." Now Jhum starts laughing in that way that he's clearly like, "Oh my god, why are you saying this on camera? <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about it." And he says, "I just downloaded those photos from the those pictures from the internet." So she had not even asked him about the selfie stuff. He's like, that's just true I got off the internet. So she was like, well, I need to know why a married man would do something like that. And he basically says, we don't really have a lot of sex. I have a high sex drive. When you go to bed, I make happy with my penis and my hand. Okay. And so <laughs> she's like, well, you should be looking at me, blah, blah, blah. Like the issue here is that they should be communicating. If Hoon wants to have more sex and maybe he has communicated with that and she's not interested. But like, first thing you do is express that you would like to have more sex with your wife. Fair. The fact that she feels like this is cheating because she says that anything is cheating if it hurts your partner is a bit of a slippery slope. (laughs) Like, would I think it was weird if I saw that my boyfriend or husband had hundreds of naked pictures on his phone? Yeah, it seems a little bit excessive to me. Would I feel some type of way if he was masturbating? No, right? Like, at, to me, jacking off isn't a betrayal. <laughs> right? It's just, you know, maybe I'm not in the mood. See so if you have to, you know, it knock knock something out of the park on your own. That's really not that big of a deal to me. Some might disagree, but that's my truth. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. It's like. Do we have to talk about the porn of it all? I don't know. I'd have to see, like, hundreds of pictures seems like a lot. But, I don't know. I guess if you're not, I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to get into this. I'm not going to try to intellectualize this. I don't really think that what he's doing is cheating. I would like to know what these women looked like. Like, do they look like her? Do they look very different from her? Are they, you know, are their bodies something very different from Devin and that's making her feel insecure? I don't know. I don't know. I I don't want to say that she's completely in the wrong. Like, I fully understand that she would feel insecure about this, but it's also like, it's not cheating, full stop. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it's cheating.
0: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: G-Hun says, you know, I, she also asked, Devin also asked, have you ever cheated on me? Or have you ever cheated in a past relationship? And he was like, well, there was like one ex-girlfriend that I did cheat on but like we hadn't had sex in a few months and I stepped out and she was like so if we don't have sex in a few months are you gonna do that to me and he was like no honestly like I really didn't I don't think I loved her that girlfriend either and you're my wife I'm married I'm not gonna do that to you and if I didn't love you I would have put a condom on (laughs) okay jihan okay sure um so then basically it's like uh, that was basically it she doesn't really want to accept what he's saying he says he loves her very much and he promises to delete all the pictures and says that if I ever download another picture again, I will cut my dick off. And Devin's like, well, that's a little bit extreme. Like, you know, <laughs> you don't have to go that hard. All right, let's end this on Brittany and Yazan. All right, so with Brittany and Yazan, it's basically been a little while since Yazan was kicked out of his parents' house. And he says that things have only gotten worse. Rumors are flying that he and Brittany are Excuse me, already married. They've had sex. They're making porn together. It's a whole big thing. People are talking and it's real messy. So Yazan goes to meet up with his brother. He hasn't seen him in a while, but they still get along. He's able to, you know, uh, seek advice from his brother. So his brother basically thinks. That his dad has a right to have kicked him out, but he still loves Yazan, but he gets it. So, apparently Brittany is still posting on the gram every day. It's basically just making things worse and worse for for Yazan. And Yazan's like, okay, I still love this chick, and I want you to uh, talk to our dad for me. Be my advocate, advocate, and, um, you know, let's figure something out. So, later that day, his brother goes over to their parents' house, and his dad's like, You know, I'm tired of this shit. People keep sending me pictures of Britney, you know, in various states of undress, and I'm sick of people talking about this, and I'm sick of people telling me that Yazan is being disrespectful to our family. He's basically like Lindsay Lohan in rumors, like he's tired of rumors starting, he's sick of being a followed, you know? Saying what they want about him. Why don't they back up off him? Why don't they let him live? He's sick of the shit, but you would think that maybe that would lead Yazan's father into being more supportive of Yazan. But, no. No. Basically, Yazan's got to completely break up with Brittany. Tell his father that he broke up with Brittany. Or Yazan's father will kill him. Straight up. I will kill my son. He does not bake up with Brittany, because I'm tired of people talking shit about our family. Yikes. 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 <laughs> um, I, okay. Okay. Things are getting turned up, if you will. Um, so, the next day... Yazan goes to meet up with his brother and he's still hopeful that his brother was able to have a pleasant conversation with his dad and figure things out and work things out between them and that he can be with Brittany and have his family and all that. He's hoping everything's good. So he goes to meet his brother at like a garage and his brother's like, bro, like, why are you even entertaining the situation why are you still so stuck on britney apparently izan has a plan and that plan is to have britney come back to jordan since she's gonna come back in a few days he's gonna show her all of the terrible shit that he's gone through since she left and use that as leverage (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, use it as leverage to have her make some changes for him. Now, yazam, yes, I've been supportive of you this whole time for the most part. I thought Brittany was the dumb one in this family, in this relationship, but it turns out <laughs> Brittany walked so that you could fucking run and potentially be murdered. Why? Bro, why are you doing this? Why are you even... This is a bad plan. This is a really bad plan, Yazan. I mean, we know that Yazan's still alive, thank God. But... (laughs) You're really playing your cards real fast and loose here, Yazan. Ooh, choices. Choices. So, he tells his brother like Britney's coming in a few days if he could just give me like 3-4 days maybe a week to figure this out I'm gonna come back hopefully Britney has changed her tune and then I can say hey Britney's gonna convert to Islam she's gonna stop doing all this stuff that I told her that she needs to stop doing everything will be fine I can go back to my family tell dad that she's made all these changes and everything will be good like we'll be all back to good and I kind of feel like at this point because I forgot to mention this. His dad told his brother, I heard that he had sex with her and that she does porn and that he's basically cleaning up for her. Ew. <laughs> Yuck. Um, I just don't know how you come back from that as a family and continue to have Brittany in your life. I don't know how you come back from like, I'm going to murder my son. You know? <laughs> I This ain't my life. This is not my vibe. So, like, I don't know if you can quickly turn that around. It just doesn't feel like you can. Doesn't feel like something you can turn back from. So, then we see Brittany. And she's at her dad. She's packing up to go back to Jordan. And she's saying, like, you know, I'm really conflicted because being back in America, like, I'm now just feeling more like myself, and should I really be going back and putting myself into a situation where I can't be freely Britney and, you know, twerk next to a dirt bike with my braces? Like, is this really a good idea? No, Britney, it's not. So, her dad is also, like, not into this whole situation. And he's concerned about Yazan being a protector. So she is still under the impression, and she tells her father this, that Yazan left the family of his own accord to go off and be an independent woman and to be with Brittany, and that he's basically, like, put his foot down with his family, made the choice to leave them, in the name of Brittany. This is not... We all know that this ain't the truth. And Yazan really should have told her that before she left. You know? I think that why he wouldn't have been completely honest with her is questionable to me. So Yazan... Or excuse me. Brittany's dad is like, I'm just really concerned about Yazan being a protector because okay, he left his family, but I hope that he didn't just leave his family for you, because if not, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. He's going to start blaming you for that. Which is 100% correct. So, then we see Brittany in the car on the way to the airport. She starts getting all these texts from Yazan. He sent her a picture of a car, and like the front of the car is busted, and He basically is saying, like, I got into an accident. This was for you. This car was for you. Um, I got into an accident and, you know, it's going to cost more than $1,000 to fix. So basically what she says is that he told her before she went to Jordan. I don't have a car right now. I might not be able to get one by the time you come back. And she's like, no problem, we'll just take taxis. I thought he was a taxi driver, so I'm not sure how he's doing this without a car. But he got the car without her knowledge anyway, and he wrecked it. So now he's mad at her because he wrecked this car. So she texts him back, very rightly like, this has nothing to do with me. You're the one who chose to drive recklessly. And then he sent her a voice message saying, like, screaming and saying, you know, all these things I do for you. And she's like, I'm just confused about why you would blame me for wrecking a car that I didn't even know that you had. Fair. <laughs> this is the one conversation where Brittany is making all the sense in the world. But on the other hand, we're dealing with a man who is got, you know, <laughs> the man could be a dead man in a matter of moments at any given time and so yeah I think he's gonna fucking crack up a bit you know (laughs) I could see why he might be a little bit on the tense side we'll put it that way so she calls him and he's flipping out about how like you told me that you weren't gonna marry me you told me this you told me that and I'm doing everything for you and I ended everything with my family to be with you and Brittany goes girl shut the fuck up (laughs) Uh, dog help us all help us all oh my god oh my god I cannot wait for this conversation where she finds out what exactly went down between Yazan and his family I cannot wait I cannot wait late edition news breaking situation it has just been brought to my attention from Rachel of Hollywood Crime Scene and 90 Day Fiancé Slumber Party Podcast that Drusilla has been diagnosed with Bell's Palsy. So, prayers up for Drusilla. I want to know why Drusilla has silver teeth. Um, That's another question for another day. But prayers up for Drusilla that, you know, she can get her smile back as Devin is humbly requesting. Alright, you guys. Thank you so much for listening thank me for speaking hopefully this is a good day that we're all having as americans if not i'm sorry <laughs> i did the best i could so that's on y'all all right